0: Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. And our focus is on verses 12, 13, and 14. Philippians 1, sorry, Philippians 3, 1 through 14. Focus is verses 12 through 14. You know the beautiful thing in baptism, even in baptism as a child. God commits you to the race from that point on. And all along, parents are saying, okay, son, daughter, you're in the race, so the Lord's looking for a response from you. He wants you to trust him. And then with a the profession of faith, as the child then says, a little older, he says, yeah, I'm making, I'm, I'm making a promise. I'm going to commit myself to this race. Right? All along, they're being called to profess their faith. And then they come to a certain point, and they say, "Yeah, I make that promise." And uh, and there's it's a response. So see, profession of faith not as a baptism. It's not baptism. It doesn't replace baptism. It's not. It's 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 a response. Profession of faith is a response to what God says in baptism. God speaks in baptism. You're mine. Profession of faith. The child says, "I'm yours, Lord," and I'm committed to running. The race. That you've chosen me to run in from the very beginning anyway at baptism. So that's our focus. Paul's testimony about the race, he's nearly done the race. You can read about that in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he talks about having almost finished the race, and wow, there's a, a glory beyond comprehension, but boy, it was a battle. It was a battle against Satan, against sin, even in his own life. <sighs> But here is his testimony, and we'll read beginning at verse 1, but really focusing on 12 through 14. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ, Be conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And our focus Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You'll see a bit of an outline uh, for the message this morning. We're going to see that we're far from perfect. Every believer is far from perfect. And yet, uh, you see it on the page there. And yet, we press on. So far from perfect, yet we press on, seeing what by faith? The prize before us. So the last part really focuses on the promise of God to, to keep us, to hold us uh, on the way to the, to the finish line. So beloved in Christ, I think uh, you boys and girls, you know what a race is. A foot race? You probably run in one before. You know, running in a race is, is really hard work. You have to strain your legs. The bigger the strain, the faster you go, I think. You pump your arms and you're straining forward, right? And you try to reach the finish line and, and it's even, even more special when there's a prize at the end for the winner. But to do that, you can't close your eyes because what happens? You might stumble over a stone or you might go zigzag. And no, you stay focused, you stay concentrated on that goal, on that goal post. I think Curtis and Gideon also have uncles, at least I hear that, who love to run a foot race. That's not me, but they love to run a foot race. Sometimes for speed, who can get there first? Who's the fastest? I think. And sometimes long distance many kilometers who can run the longest but the Christian life in many ways involves a race it involves a race it's uh, living our lives in such a way that we want to to lean on Christ putting death to our, seeing seeing ourselves, dying to ourselves, dying to our own old self, our sins, and living that new life of Christ. It's a race. It's a race, you could say, to the finish mark. And as Christians, you're all in the race, including babies who have been baptized because God sets them on the course already in the race. Already then, they're in the race but yet under the tutelage of their parents. Okay, and you run upward to reach the finish line, looking forward to the heavenly prize. You know, professing your faith, you're saying, professing your faith in Jesus, you're saying, uh, I promise by the grace of God to run the race that is before me. I'm committed to it. And the beautiful thing here is, Jesus is the one who works that commitment in you, and he runs by your side the whole time. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And he runs at your side through every mountain, over every mountain, through every valley. And the Apostle Paul, he's been through it. And he's there to encourage the congregation of Philippi. And he offers three simple truths to encourage us in the race. He says, no, first of all, you're far from perfect. If, if we think we're perfect, then we don't understand. Paul repeatedly states that he is far from perfect. Three times, if you look at verses 12 and 13, not that I've already attained, or he says, or am already perfected. He says in verse 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended, that means I have not counted myself yet to have taken hold of it. Christ has hold of me. I've not yet attained to reaching that prize and taking hold of that prize. I have a long way to go. And you see three things about this race uh, that were far from perfect. And that makes us that ought to make us humble. It's a humble race. I can't do it. I just can't do it. How am I going to reach the goal? That's where you have Christ. Sometimes you might feel that in your life. I just can't. I just can't. But that's where Christ, that's Christ. It's all of Christ. You know, at one point, Paul, before he became a Christian, he thought he had it all. He thought he had arrived. You see that in verse six. He boasted, you know, concerning being really a really good person, I was blameless. Okay? He thought he didn't have to run a race. He was blameless. And yet you ask, how is that an encouragement to confess that you're far from perfect? How's that an encouragement to us? Well, this is because God gives you the grace to lean on Christ and His perfect righteousness. We need His perfect righteousness the whole way to the finish line, His righteousness to cover us. And Paul came to discover that when when God, when the Lord Jesus converted him, changed him, Paul says in verse 9, and be found in Him, be found in Jesus, not having my own righteousness. There's no way on my own I could ever reach there but he says that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith that's the guarantee that what encourages me in confessing that I'm far from perfect you know professing your faith this is a humble this is your humble confession you know, there is so much more room to grow. For little children, more room to grow. For the older kids, there's more room to grow under the under the instruction of your parents. Even for Curtis and Guinea, there's much more room to grow in the Lord. To learn the Bible, to continue catechism, to learn and grow and your love for the Lord through the teachings of the church, the teachings of Scripture, is a long way before you arrive. That is, to reach the finish line, the goal. And in this race, the Bible calls us not to lean on our own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And when you acknowledge Him, trust in Him, He will direct your path. He will direct you in the race. So listen, it's a humble race, right? I can't do it on my own. I have no strength in me. I have Christ. Second thing, it's an honorable race. Why is it honorable? Because why is that God has chosen you for this race? He hasn't chosen everyone. He's only chosen those whom he has given in Christ to be in this race from baptism on. To be in this race. Think about baptism. God says, I set you apart for this race. I put my mark on you. You belong to me. You don't belong to the world. You don't belong to anyone else. Me, God says, and all my promises I give to you. God's saying, you're children. You're my children. You're children of the king. You're children of royalty, And then, professing your faith, as you grow, you continue to profess your faith. But there's a point where you say, yeah, yeah, I do belong to the Lord. You respond by saying, I believe everything he said to me in my baptism. Maybe that's not a full knowledge of what that implies, but that's a lifetime to learn. But at some point, you say, Yeah, the Spirit works that response. The Holy Spirit works that response in us where we say, I want that. I want to run in that race. I'm committed to it. And that's when Jesus says, well, you need a lot of strength for that. And what strength do you need? Well, yeah, yeah, you need the Bible. Yeah, your baptism is a reminder too. But also you need to eat. The heavenly food for that strength, the Lord's Supper. Wow, profession of faith is not a baptism, it's a response. And sometimes the two are really, really close together in one event, as for example, when new believers uh, receive baptism. It's, it's two events at the same time, almost you could say. Because when new believers receive baptism, God puts his claim on you. And then immediately, in one of the same event, you could say there's a response where you say, yeah, 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 but I also claim this promises for myself. There it's really close, right? But for some, it's sometimes years apart. I know a person who did a profession of faith at 80 years old. He just wasn't ready. The Holy Spirit didn't work that response in him until he was 80. So yeah, it's a... It's a uh, It's a a humble race. It's an honorable race. But it's also an honest race. We have nothing to hide because Christ hides us in himself. We have nothing to hide, even with respect to our struggles against the sinful nature. We all struggle with it. Intensely so. My struggle, I'm far from perfect. I have a long ways to run. How do I know it? Because my struggle against sin... My struggle against fears, we face fears, we have doubts. It's real, it's hard. As a matter of fact, with a commitment to run, when you say, I promise to run, you can say, My fight against sin and Satan becomes even more intense. Because Satan says, I just, I really don't have him anymore. I really don't have her anymore. Nobody says that in your baptism, but when he sees that growth, Satan gets very upset. And he wants to challenge that again and again, to challenge us to try to do wrongdoing. And he whispers, come, come over here. Come follow me. And then we need the strength, right, of Christ to say yes to Christ. You know, some say, you know what? Wait for your profession of faith until your teen years are over. Then you can profess publicly. But you know what? Additional temptations, think of our internet culture, the discovery of the depth of our sinful nature shows that we need to be strengthened with the body and the blood of Christ. We confess, don't we not, that the Lord's Supper is a means of grace. The Word of God, of course, is the primary means of grace. But why not have all the means, the means that God gives us so that we can, we can uh, have those means to stand strong, to be strengthened in our faith, in our fight against our sinful nature and our sins. You know, God uses both the word and the sacraments to strengthen our faith. And sometimes I don't know if we think about it this way, but the Lord's Supper is a powerful means of God's action to bless It's it's a powerful means of God's action to bless. It's a wonderful fellowship of Christ assuring us in times of battles and times of severe temptation of his love and support. Who doesn't need that? What teenager doesn't need that? And it's heavenly food. It's heavenly food to strengthen us in our fight against Satan. It's a feast, not a fast. It's a feast of Jesus, a feast that we get to partake in because he's the one who gained. He's the one who gained the victory over Satan, sin, death, and hell through his death and resurrection. Victory is always followed by a feast. Think of this as a feast, not mourning, not fasting. Certainly we remember what Christ did on the cross for us. But it doesn't stop there. We look at the exalted Christ. The one who is the host who says, eat, drink. You need it. You need the strength. Because you have many temptations to fight. And then, of course, the heavenly feast. When the battle is over. and we get to eat all the time, you could say yeah, we hear the gospel. We not only hear the gospel, but we also eat it. Right? We need to be strengthened by it. Hearing it, eating it. That's very concrete. It's a picture that Christ has given us. He knows we need that support. Also our children. Who are growing up. These two means Christ strengthens you to keep focus. That, 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 those things help us. You can say, keep focus on the finish line. That brings us to our second encouragement. Okay, far from perfect, these are all acknowledgments. What we talked about, all acknowledgments. I'm far from perfect. It's a, it's a humble race. It's an honorable race, because God has chosen me for this, and it's a honest race. Be honest with your sins before the Lord. Tell Him everything. You, you boys and girls, you're not too young to tell them all the sins of your heart that you face, the jealousies and so on. And between spouses and within the congregation, wow, children before parents, be honest. It's an honest race. And yet it doesn't stop there. It doesn't cripple us. Yet I press on, says Paul. Paul knows. Paul says, the things I do, I don't want to do, and the things I should be doing, The things I don't do, I should be doing, right? Romans chapter 7. But he says, Yet I press on. Far from perfect, yet I press on. But I press on. We see two things here it's a vigorous race, and it's a focused race. Notice here it's a vigorous race. Another word for the word press on is pursue. I pursue Christ. By the way, in another context, in a negative sense, it means persecute. Of course, that's a, a different pursuing of Christ, right? But this is pursuing Christ and I want Him. I want Him. I want all of Him for my gain and for His glory. Paul is saying here, he says, I will run with the kind of vigor I had once I once had persecuting the church. Now I'm going to have that same kind of vigor in embracing him. Pressing on means going forward. It means growing in faith. It means going forward against the winds of an ungodly culture, my sinful nature, a lot of things to press forward against. But just remember Christ, didn't he promise? He's going to be at your side from beginning to end covering you with his righteousness, can trust him for that. Impressing on, what do I do? Verse 12 says that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus has also laid hold of me. What's he saying here? He's saying, I lay hold of Christ. Why is it that I can lay hold of Christ? (laughs) Because he first took hold of me. If someone takes your hand, holds your hand, where is your hand? You're holding his hand. Christ's hand is on the outside. Grip, right? Don't try to pull your hand out of his. And as a response, you hold on to him. Okay, I took hold of him by faith. I take hold of him by faith. Why? Because Christ first took hold of me. Wow, there's such a, there's there's such joy in that, isn't there? Like, I'm I'm safe. He's going to help me through all these things in life, hard things. He's going to be with me. This invigorates us, doesn't it, to press on in his strength with energy, with a whole heart. Sometimes there's ups and downs, no doubt. Sometimes we feel like we lose energy. We feel defeated. It's kind of like the person in Zechariah chapter 2 when he was measuring the temple area. He was thinking of just building. He was, he was a little bit down, depressed. He's I'm just going to measure that temple area, the Jerusalem area. And God says, no, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, I have much bigger in mind for you. He says, no more walls around Jerusalem. In other words, we, we may look forward with great anticipation that Christ will, he is committed to carry us through, even with, in ways that are beyond our comprehension. What did Christ have in mind when he took hold of me? He has in mind that I walk with him. Grow in him. Grow through the teaching of his word. And he says, I'm going to give you this as well, because you need it. You need it through your whole life. As Peter 1 verse 10, 2 Peter 1 verse 10 reminds, be diligent to make our calling and election sure. Okay, you're elect, you're chosen. How do you make yourself diligent of that? Use the means. Preaching of the word is one way. regular. Regular celebration of the Lord's, Lord's Supper, however regular that may be. But the point is we must not be, maybe you know the fable, boys and girls, you know about the fable of the hare and the tortoise or the rabbit and the turtle? Turtle, is, is the turtle fast or slow? Slow. So the turtle was plodding on, having a race with the rabbit. Who's the faster one? The rabbit, okay, the turtle is plodding on, steadily on, but the rabbit, he was very confident in himself. He said, ah, no problem. I can take a nap. He took a nap, and when he awoke, he discovered it was too late. Who had reached the finish line? The turtle. The hare didn't reach it. The rabbit didn't reach it. Right? Okay, maybe you heard that in Hope Academy. Watch. Okay, that's the first thing. Vigorous. Second thing, it's a focus race. And pressing forward toward the goal, Paul says, one thing I do. (laughs) We can easily be distracted by many things, and certainly we are, but even as we're distracted by many things, in the midst of that, there's one thing that should always be in our purview, and that's the, the celestial city as John Bunyan would say about the, uh, in Pilgrim's progress. One thing I do. What is that? Verse 13. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those which are ahead. That's the race. Let's look at those briefly. Forgetting what lies behind. What does Paul have in mind? Sometimes people can be so crippled and hindered by The sins of the past. They dwell on it and dwell on it and dwell on it. Sins of failures. Sins of the past. How can the Lord ever forgive me? Remember? Far from perfect. Paul says, put that behind you. Focus on Christ. You know, children, you disobey your parents. Is that right in the Lord? No. And how about lying? Or just little lies. Is that okay to the Lord? No. Being unkind or having bitter thoughts? Jealousy? No. But what does Christ want us to do? He says you don't have to live with these problems. You hand them over to me. I take care of them. I forgive them. Put those things behind you. High time. Put them behind you. You can't Run the race adequately in this way. It stops you. It cripples you. Don't go back there. Don't hold on to those things. Don't dwell on it. Your life has been crucified with Christ, your old life. Forgetting those things which are behind. Oh, it could be worldly cares. The false glamour of wealth. Pleasures of this world. Maybe it's an overemphasis on sports or on clothes or maybe on charm. You know what Paul calls all those things? If you look at 1 Corinthians 9 25, he calls it a perishable crown. What's a perishable crown? It's something that just falls apart, it it doesn't last. It's temporary, uh, it's not eternal. But then he says, I run thus. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, not with uncertainty, This, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He is focused. This thing is certain. The crown that is waiting for you. The, the, the prize that's waiting for you. That's what's certain. It's permanent. It's eternal. And that's why Paul says, looking forward to the things that are ahead. That's what's eternal. That's what's going to last Everything else is just going to fall apart. There's no certainty. Think of our world today. Where do you see certainty around us? But the certain things are in Christ. Looking forward to those things which are ahead. That's the sense here is stretching forward. When you run, you don't run like this. Right? You, with all your gusto, you, you look, you strain forward. You don't go this way or this way because you might bump into a pole. You don't look back, definitely not. Because then you certainly run into a pole and hurt yourself, right? You focus forward the finish line. It's, sort of, it's like this, you know, in a moment, we're going to look at the promises that um, we make in the profession of faith. The first question goes like this. Do you declare that you love the Lord, that you desire to serve him according to his word, to forsake the world, to put to death your old nature, and to lead a godly life? That's what it means, I promise I'm going to run forward. Christ will keep his promise. He'll definitely keep his side of the promise. Right? We have to trust that and believe that he will. God is faithful, always faithful, in good times and hard times. So throw those ugly things in your life behind you. Forget them, says Paul. Paul had a lot of forgetting to do, too. It did, his life was... It was no, uh, was no um, nothing to boast about, put it that way. Think of all the things he did. He says, put it behind you. Trust him. Philippians 1, he says earlier, being confident is very thing, that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion in Jesus Christ. Press on, brothers and sisters. Press on. Move forward. Keep the focus. Focus on what? The prize. As you're focusing, you see the prize. See what Paul says in verse 14? I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ. You know, in any Olympics race, how many people get the prize? Does everyone get the prize? I think maybe at most three people. You have the, the gold, and you have the silver, and you have the bronze, The top runner, of course, gets the goal. But you notice that all are striving towards the goal, but one receives the gift. One receives the prize. But the race that Paul here is talking about is a little bit different. First of all, it's promised. It's not necessarily promised to any and everyone in the Olympian race, right? But this one is promised to all believers. Every believer who perseveres by the grace of God, Christ at his side, right? With all the zigzags in life, sometimes we go zigging this way and zigging that way. And we sometimes feel like we are off path a little bit, but all believers will persevere to the finish line. That's the promise by grace. They reach their goal and all believers get the prize. Every last believer gets the prize, the gift. It's eternal life. The other difference here is, there's another difference here. Any foot race that you watch is always on a level track, or almost always. It almost always has no hills. But the foot race in the Christian life is upward. See verse 14? It's an upward call. Sometimes it feels like this, where you need to put stakes into the rock, Sometimes it might feel a little bit easier. It's an upward call. At times it can be very, very difficult because obedience, obeying the Lord is not always easy. Sometimes when we obey the Lord, it can mean suffering. It can even mean suffering loss of family, friends, jobs, homes. It can mean losing many things. So call calls to look to him, look to him. Hebrews 12 says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking at whom unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He won that prize for you. He endured it through the cross, dying on the cross for your sins, rising from the dead. He's already there. He's already there at the finish line for us, exalted in the heavenly places, says Hebrews 2. The prize is there waiting for you. It's worth it all, all the struggle, all the hardship, all the troubles. And so Jesus says to come to me, all you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's the one. Who says, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Sometimes he carries you on your on his back. Even older people. Jesus carries us on his back. Other times he takes you by the hand. He will lead you there. Listen to what he says in his word. Remember your baptism. Eat his food. Talk with him. Pray with him. Walk with him hand in hand all the way through the valleys until you reach the golden shore, the finish line. That's the upward call. Upward call. It's easy to go downstream and go with the flow. (laughs) But the upward call of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And finally, briefly, This prize is precious. What is the prize? Look at Psalm 103, verses one through five. We plan to sing that in a few minutes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. What are his benefits? What's his prize? Who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's what we experience now, isn't it? In part, when we trust in Christ, already now. Of course, we will receive a much fuller measure, in the fullest measure possible, when we reach the finish line, on the day of our death, right? Precious in the sight of the Lord, are the death of his saints, says Psalm 116. No more crying, no more jealousy, no more hatred, no more sadness. The suffering will be over. The striving, the hardship will be over, will be finished. The sacrificing, the loss will be over. And it's gonna be saturated with the heavenly glory with perfect fellowship with Jesus. You know this little book called Little Pilgrim's Progress. is a really beautiful description in the last chapter called The Celestial City. You know, two little pilgrims, their names are Christian and hopeful. They're just little boys. And they're crossing the rivers, the deep, dark rivers. What are those rivers, those deep, dark rivers? It's death. A picture of death. It's a deep, dark river. Death. They reached their goal. They crossed to the other side. Jesus bringing them through. And it says there, the little pilgrims had now reached the threshold of the palace. And as the doors were thrown open, they heard a sound of the very sweetest music. The prince himself, that's a picture of Jesus, was waiting to receive them. He smiled on them took their hands in his own, and then he led them into the palace. And the whole city was filled with joy because their journey was over. They had been brought safely through the dark river into the presence of the king. You know, that that description is really a pale reflection of what the scripture teaches. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the human heart the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Anything you hear as the most beautiful thing in the world doesn't compare to this. Anything you've seen doesn't compare to this. Anything that you can imagine in your heart cannot compare to this. Amen.